Insider, Matthew Collar here, and the Vikings added another player. This is like March. This has been a fun little break where you get a guard and now another running back and maybe another question about why it took this long to get another running back, but uh, maybe we don't have to go down that road. So thank you all for waiting past the usual time, which is usually around eight o'clock when we go live on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast feed, that does not matter to you what time it is, but uh, I had to push back going live a little bit to go to the Minnesota Lynx playoff game because I have Lynx season tickets and in the playoffs and you'll never believe what happened. A Minnesota sports team had a disappointing playoff result. I know. I know you're all shocked. This is maybe even shocked, more shocking than what Justin Fields said today to the media in Chicago. Terrifying, terrifying news. I, I won't become a trend, though, I don't think. I think this is probably the one and only playoff disappointment in Minnesota sports, and we'll be fine from here. There won't be any more. It was kind of a typical season, and, uh, you know, the, the Lynx have kind of become uh, Vikings-y, actually, a little bit, where they have enough talent to be fun and interesting, but maybe not enough to go deep in the playoffs and also maybe not bad enough to draft high. So I think there are maybe some correlations there anyway. Well, let's get into it with cam acres. So I have uh, spent my other time while not attending the links game, doing just enough research to feel comfortable with having a take on cam acres, which is, I'm not really sure what the heck happened with cam acres and the Los Angeles Rams. That's my take. So when I look at how he performed last year, he was okay. He scored seven touchdowns. He averaged 4.2 yards a carry, graded well by PFF. In 2021, had some injuries, didn't play well. 2020, he was all right. 846 yards, four and a half yards a carry. And there must be a personality issue between Sean McVay and Cam Akers or some sort of problem with how they're connecting with what they want to do on offense or something behind the scenes that would cause the Rams to not want Cam Akers to be their running back. Now, this year, it has been a total disaster. He's carried the ball 22 times and gained just 29 yards. So I don't know what it is. And I've looked around, and I haven't seen anything really definitive aside from McVay's kind of had it with Cam Akers, and so now the Vikings are acquiring him. If you're looking at his age and his previous production, He's 24 years old. His previous production is okay for his career. 3.9 yards a carry, not great, but you know, some of that's probably this year having his struggles and the last season was okay. And I would say that uh, it's not like you acquired the next Jerome Bettis or Steven Jackson from the Los Angeles Rams. But here's the thing, the Vikings running game and their running situation is absolutely miserable at this point. I mean, they have run for 69 yards on the season and the offensive line has been problematic. There's no question about that. But also when you look at how Alexander Madison has performed through two games, it has not been inspiring either. And I really like the way that Jeremiah Searles put it on our show, which go back and check that out. If you missed it, Jeremiah said, it just looks like Alexander Madison isn't trusting where he's supposed to go, not trusting the blocks. And for whatever reason it may be, and it looks different from where Madison had 
you know, played before or where he had been as a running back before this year. It has not looked like what I expected it to look like based on what we saw from the time he was drafted, even until last year, where I thought he was a fairly effective running back. And maybe some of it is the defensive lines they've faced, probably a lot of it. Some of it is the injuries. It's very hard to get five people working in unison together when the left tackle is out, who is an unbelievable football player, and the center is out, who is one of the better run-blocking centers in the league. So I think that that has caused a good amount of it, and I would not just look at what Madison's done through two weeks and go, all right, we're out on Madison, he can't play or whatever, find somebody else. I think that we need to give a little more time, especially when they're playing a Chargers team that is uninspiring, to Alexander Madison, give more of a chance, more of a sample size. I mean, we saw in past years, even when Delvin Cook was at his peak, if they played a defensive line that was as good as Tampa Bay or as good as Philadelphia, we routinely saw this team struggle because of the offensive line to move the, the football on the ground. So I don't think it's just been Madison. I think it's been some Madison. But the thing is that there's no, like, let's go to the lefty for a little bit of change up with this team. With Ty Chandler, they hinted strongly throughout the uh, training camp and OTAs and so forth that they weren't really all in on Ty Chandler as a complete running back. And they put him out there. He had a little bit of pass block issues against the Eagles, and then they took him back out. So he's barely played any plays. He is very quick. And maybe that's, maybe that's wrong. Like maybe they should give him more of a chance because he's so fast, but they also need him to understand where to run, how to block all those things. And just, it felt like from all the comments that they made, all right, they don't really trust him to be that guy. And Kenny Wongwu, nowhere to be found. I mean, he's on IR, I, I know, and maybe he'll come back at some point, but that's still a multi-week injury from now to come back to. And Kevin O'Connell said something like, Hopefully we get him back at some point this year, which did not sound very inspiring for when Ken A. Wong will, will be back. Not only that, Ken A. Wong Wu is essentially never really run in an NFL game anyway. A handful of carries in games at all for Ken A. Wong Wu. So there's nobody that is experienced or trustworthy. Miles Gaskin, they picked up from Miami, but we're talking about kind of just a guy there. And so with this opportunity to get Cam Akers for literally nothing. I mean, a 2026 draft pick swap. I mean, what is that? Like, here's, here's some lint I found in my pocket. Would you like it for, for this running back? So you get him for nothing. And I think that we were looking at this situation throughout all of training camp saying, all right, does it make sense to bring in Kareem Hunt? Does it make sense to call Lenny Fournette? Does it make sense like anybody to come in and be the backup running back? And it always did make sense to bring in someone else. And so they finally do as they're sitting here at 0-2. And, and I've got to wonder about the guard and the running back position. Both of these not happening until they were staring at 0-2 is a little odd. Because as soon as Wong Wu got hurt, I, you had to figure. I mean, they started bringing in guys for tryouts for workouts. And the, and the same thing goes for the offensive line. As soon as it didn't look good in the summer, they're bringing in Dalton Reisner for a visit. And yet so far, you know, it, it took so long to get around to actually signing these guys. And I don't, is it, you know, is it the difference between two and O and O and two very likely? No, 
but maybe with the offensive line, right? Maybe a strip sack, for example, that happens in the first game. Maybe that changes things. Maybe a little more time to throw here or there. I don't know. So maybe regrettable for them to have not made these moves when we could see that these moves needed to be made. So you do have to wonder, like, was Kevin O'Connell interested in these players and the front office did not want to sign them and wanted to give younger players a chance? Was it internal politics that caused this? Because they understood the issue enough to bring in players for tryouts, but did not make the action to sign these players or, or obviously trade for uh, Cam Akers. So that's a little odd to me. And I, and I don't really fully understand what it was that took so long for either one of these guys. And with Reisner, I, I, the idea of like, well, his money becomes guaranteed. Okay. Well, he's going to play the rest of the year, right? Unless he gets hurt. So what, what nickels and dimes are we talking about here? And that option was on the table to restructure Brian O'Neill anytime they wanted to all summer long. So I think that there's, some deserved criticism of taking this long to fill these spots and Hey, mix in a pass rusher too, because Marcus Davenport today on the injury report, not great. Uh, not great at all for Davenport, not practicing with the ankle injury, which it's usually Friday, Thursday, Friday, where we start to get the idea if someone's going to play or not, not Wednesday, but they had a long break and then he's not practicing. That's not a really good sign for Marcus Davenport for this weekend. And you're talking about the DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones show again. So maybe four weeks from now they can find an edge rusher. I don't know. It's just kind of odd to me. But as far as Akers goes, the personality issue or whatever it is that, that, that is causing his problem, how he's playing with the Rams to want to get rid of him, certainly raises a red flag. Like how good could this be if that's a team that is getting rid of him? and sending him here. But at the same time, his track record is decent enough to say that's kind of what a backup running back looks like. And it's someone who's played before. It's someone who has at least enough familiarity with Kevin O'Connell to think that he could step in and be trusted to be the backup running back. So there's no criticism to be had about the actual move. When you look around, you go, okay, well, the Browns signed Kareem Hunt. Go look at Kareem Hunt's performance last year. And then, you know, I don't know, one of the NFL insiders putting it out there, like Kareem Hunt's lost some weight, like, okay, great. But he's also like 28 or 29. And, you know, I I mean, I don't know that I ever thought that that was a good idea for the Vikings to bring in Kareem Hunt. So if you were giving me the choice, if you had laid out all the possible running backs, who can you pick from when Kenny Wongwu went down? Here's a whole list. Pick a card. I mean, Cam Akers probably would have been the one I would have picked out of Leonard Fournette, out of Kareem Hunt, whatever, bringing Delvin back, somebody brought up, you know, I don't know. Like, I think that it's probably the best that they could have done. Somebody who is not out of their prime, who's not uh, into that sort of age of death for running backs and who has played pretty well by his PFF grade, his yards, touchdowns, uh, yards per carry when he's been healthy. You just have to wonder. And, and you know, Kevin O'Connell was never, will never say this to us when we ask, but What's the deal? Like, you know, why is he here? Why would a team give up on him the way that they did? And, you know, I guess maybe we'll, we'll find that out, but in the best case scenario, in the best case scenario, Cam Akers runs for what 
like 450 yards and a couple of touchdowns and gives them four yards of carry and is at least solid and serviceable behind Alexander Madison. And I think that's about the best you're going to do. But this, I mean, this is a passing offense and it's going to remain a passing offense first and foremost. And I think Kevin O'Connell has never truly understood where the running game should fit in. So he just keeps passing. And I don't hate it. <laughs> like I think, I mean, leaning into the passing game in Kirk Cousins was, I thought, a good idea like oh, four or five years ago. And I, I, we've seen it, you know, pay dividends last year. And I think that Cousins is playing better football through these first two games. The weapons are even better. There's no like Laquan Treadwell, number three receiver. The number three or two A receiver is KJ Osborne, is pretty darn good. And the tight end is dynamic. I was watching the other night, the all 22 TJ Hawkinson runs this kind of out and in pattern turns around a safety and he's got a wide open catch. Like, okay, well, I don't know. Vikings tight ends of the past. How many could do that in space? They've got all the weapons to throw the ball all over the place. They need a competent running game. If they ever get ahead in a game and have to run out, you know, run some clock and pound away at the opponent and they, they need pass blocking. They need something to have play action passes off of. But that's about it. Everybody knows what they're going to do and they can do it well. So it's not like a huge impact move, but I think it makes sense to have someone who's actually played a lot of NFL football before, not Ty Chandler, who's backing up, you know, Alexander Madison. So it's fine. It's it's interesting, I think, more than anything, more than the actual guys, although Reisner could have a legitimate impact, more, more of an impact than Akers, I think. But it's interesting enough that they're doing it. Like that they were looking at what they had through two games and possibly saying that division is not that good. And, and it certainly is not. You know, the Packers lost a close game to a bleh Falcons team. We'll get to the bears. It's on fire. Soldier field is burning down and crashing into Lake Michigan. So they're going to stink. And then the lions, and they gave up 37 points to Seattle. There's still Detroit's defense until proven otherwise. So based on the way the Vikings can pass the ball, which they are fourth in passing EPA through two weeks, which is really good. And uh, I don't know if you guys, uh, how many of you are readers of the, the Substack, uh, uh, the Purple Insider Substack, but I, I posted a chart there that showed just how Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins have been working so well in conjunction where receivers are open and Cousins is throwing the ball accurately. It's just that he needs to not get strip sacked multiple times. So I don't know how important it is to have Cam Akers or not have Cam Akers. If he can pass block a little, that would be helpful. I, I didn't check. I can pull this up here on PFF and see what they think of his blocking. Um, oh, well, you know, actually last year his pass blocking was okay. He only allowed two pressures. Well, he only actually passed block 38 times, so he wasn't doing it a lot. But decently graded last year, last two years. So maybe he can do that a little bit. But, I mean, this is this this offense is not going to live or die on Cam Akers or Alexander Madison or Miles Gaskin or Moel D. Moore or Artros Pinner or any other running back, David Palmer. It's going to live and die on the passing game. So it's it's. It's only interesting to me that I'm wondering about the conversations that go into a move like this, where they're saying, add, don't subtract, don't leave it as it is, don't natural tank, which, you know, like just let it be and let it fall apart. Go get players who can help you. 
now and potentially later. I mean, Dalton Reiser's not old and Cam Akers is not old either. So they continue to kind of try to find those players. They also continue to kind of pick up somebody else's discarded players, which is kind of interesting as well as that strategy has not worked so far. Um, I don't call Byron Murphy a discarded player, by the way. I think Byron Murphy was like a $10 million corner. He's legit, like a legit signing. Davenport, though, maybe more so. And certainly your Jalen Raggers, your Ross Blacklocks. And now it feels the same way with uh, Cam Akers. If one of them hits, we'll call it very smart. Uh, usually they don't. So we'll see how this plays out and how quick they can get in. Also, I wanted to mention before I get to your questions, comments that uh, Kevin O'Connell kind of played coy on a lot of things today regarding Dalton Reisner, that uh, where he's playing, not clear. We're going to see how things work out when he's playing, not clear, but it, that sounds like this week. And, you know, O'Connell was talking about, well, you know, he's with a lot of veteran players out there, but his system in Denver wasn't the same. So he was kind of hedging on whether he expects him to play. But I thought the most interesting thing that Kevin O'Connell said was a question that he refused to answer, which was, why did you do this? Like, why did you sign Dalton Reiser? What was the thought process? Was it, and I think uh, maybe as Ben Gessling phrased it like, so was it just the injuries or the depth to kind of be like, oh, uh, or someone who's not good? Uh, and he said, well, I don't want to get into that, which is pretty rare uh, for Kevin O'Connell, who usually is fine with explaining or giving some sort of explanation. Uh, and that stuck out to me. I, I don't know what it, the thinking was. I, I think I know. And we're going to find out if it's just the right guard isn't good and we need to replace him. But is it going to be like a depth thing? Is it going to be a left guard? Is it going to be a center? Like, I, I don't know. We'll find out. My bet would go on right guard. Oh, and let's talk about Justin Fields for a second. It's over, friends. It's over. It's over. Here's how you know it's over. Everything that happened today. I mean, it's melting. It's every bust player, especially like a quarterback, but they have their it's over moment. It may have been for Lewis seen the other night when Theo Jackson came off the bench. Uh, when Sam Darnold got caught on national TV on the hot mic saying, I'm seeing ghosts. It was like, oh man, this guy's played way too long to be saying I'm seeing ghosts out there. And you know, it's kind of over and everybody knew it at that time. And it, it goes for, I mean, just about everybody, you know, Josh Rosen goes to Miami and I forget what game it was, but it was like, you know, three for 13 for 12 yards or something. You know what I mean? Like there's always those sort of bad game moments and sometimes they come in other ways too. I'm sure there was a, I can't remember it exactly, but there was a very defensive like Christian Ponder uh, press conference that I think people talk about for it being over with Christian Ponder. And in my memory, uh, there was uh, when, when I was covering Buffalo, EJ Manuel, the moment that we knew it was over was in preseason. He was talking all about how it was the coach's fault. It was the previous coach's fault, which sounds familiar with fields. And then he lost the number two job to Matt Castle, who you guys remember. So he lost the number one job to Tyrod Taylor, but also lost the number two job to Matt Castle. And he was in the fourth quarter of a preseason game, shushing the crowd after a touchdown. It was like, that's over. It's over. We lost him. Fields, if you didn't see it, which I'm sure you did, but if you didn't see it, essentially blamed the coaching staff for the Bears for his failures and his struggles this year 
as a passer and suggested that he needed to be more himself and not try to follow their all their rules. Which, if if the Bears did what I think that they did, it's actually pretty clever, which would be to install a system that requires Justin Fields to truly play quarterback. Not like what the Giants did last year for Daniel Jones, where it was, we're going to run, we're going to have you run, and then throw some short passes and don't screw up. But if they did that for Justin Fields, that's not a way to win the Super Bowl. That's not a way to really compete. So he had to prove that he could truly play a complete game as a quarterback. And it looks like with the lack of designed runs, that's what they were trying to get him to do. And he's his body's rejecting it, apparently. He can't possibly play the actual position. And uh, then he said that. So he says what he says about the coaching. And then he pulls the reporters over after realizing must be on social media, he's getting torched. And then he accuses the reporters of taking him out of context. It's on video, man. Like we can really look at the whole thing. And uh, when you say coaching is what's holding you back and then say, you took me out of context. No one believes you, Justin Fields. So that is a pretty, pretty rough situation for them. Their defensive coordinator then quits. Uh, I, I don't know the situation there, but that's something you don't expect in week two to see or week three for Adam Schefter alert pop up and say a defensive coordinator has quit. So they are in tragic circumstances at the moment. And this only enhances the Vikings argument to sign players and try to be better. Uh, you're not scared of the Packers. The Lions haven't given you a true reason to be afraid of them at the moment. Um, so yeah, you could see why the Vikings would want to push as hard as they can and uh, to you know to win this game of course, but just to enhance the roster in places where they are short. So, Chicago though, it's you know, it's funny because it, you would think from me, I'm always talking about the next year's draft, draft the quarterback, go to the bottom, everything else. With Chicago, they decided not to pick number one. Maybe they were never sold on Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud. And that's why they said, let's just see with Justin Fields. Let's really see. Let's really be sure. And I can respect that. I can respect that. Trading out of the first pick, getting a receiver, getting some more draft capital, and finding out for sure that Justin Fields wasn't the guy. Because if you trade him away, he's great. You draft a bust. Everyone gets fired. They might get fired anyway. I don't know. But... Uh, normally I would say what a great position they're in, <laughs> but man, I don't know. It's like, they just keep doing the same thing and it keeps blowing up in their face and it's gotta be just, you know, randomness. They haven't actually drafted that many quarterbacks that high like him. It's like Cade McNown and then who, uh, you know, they always kind of hunted for quarterbacks like Kyle Orton or, uh, you know, Jay Cutler and so forth. So, you know, it's not like they're historic luck would have anything to do with the next quarterback, but yeesh, it has been, it has been so bad for them. And it's just, it's hard to argue that it's a great thing for that organization to be as bad as they are this year when they were supposed to have taken a pretty big step forward. But now it looks like, I don't know who their backup quarterback is. Jim McMahon. Is it uh, Moses Moreno or Henry Burris or, uh, you know, Eric Kramer, Steve Walsh, Steve Walsh, he's in town here. He can go get to Chicago fast to play quarterback for them. I'm not sure that Fields is going to make it through the season. I mean, it's really looking like he's collapsing. And something that 
really sticks out to me is just how much resilience and how much mental toughness it takes to be a quarterback. And I think what you saw today was kind of fields showing you everything that that's there. It's not physical. I think it's entirely, he can't see things and process things well. And then he's got no, no resilience, no next level. And maybe, you know, maybe he'll still prove us wrong and we'll laugh at this, but this felt like the moment. This felt like the moment for them. So very interesting that the Bears whole timeline gets set back another year. And maybe it'll be a blessing for them. I don't know. Because maybe they won't have a Daniel Jones moment where they pay him. And then they're totally locked into that and kind of screwed for years to come. So, all right. Let me get into your questions. But first, this is going to be a staple of the show. I uh, want to remind you to make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL part of your game day. Order online during their pizza pizza pregame, which is one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with a convenient delivery or their in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends, enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before kickoff. So Little Caesars, sponsor of the show. Not bad for me, right, pizza? Folks, I am absolutely pumped about my prize picks this week because I crushed it. If you have not heard of it, Prize Picks is the easiest and best way to play daily fantasy, except instead of betting against thousands of other players or people who spend their entire life doing fantasy, all you need to do is pick more or less between two and six player stat projections. Say a quarterback's number is 250 yards or a wide receiver, a hundred yards receiving go more or less and bang you're in, you're playing, and you can pick from hundreds of players and numbers this football season, and there are other sports that you can choose from as well. So last week, I nailed that Devontae Smith, Justin Jefferson, and TJ Hawkinson would all get more yards than expected. Pretty easy ones to pick if you ask me. So it doesn't take an arm and a leg uh, money-wise to be able to play. You can turn $10 into $250 with just a couple taps. Perfect way to fit it in in a busy day. Do it right before the game, whenever you want at Prize Picks. And uh, we're going to be going in on it all season long. You're going to hear every week making our picks. So go to prizepicks.com slash purple and use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash purple. Use the code purple. Daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, let's get into uh, your your guys' comments here. Um, first of all, Daniel says the NFC North is fun. Fun is a way to put it. I might say insane. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at least in previous years, it was like, all right, the Packers, they know what they're doing. They're all set. They're competing for the Super Bowl. And everybody else is hitting each other with pool toys. But now it's all four teams who are just a calamity. And there's plenty of time for somebody to separate themselves. But it looks like David Bakhtiari is not going to play on turf. Well, that helps the Vikings, at least for one game. And Aaron Jones is banged up. Christian Watson hasn't played. Jordan Love, to me, looks competent. We'll see if there's anything more there. But there's still, I mean, it's two games, so there's a lot more to go for him and a lot uh, to figure out tendency-wise and everything else. But it's really the Lions, and can the Vikings win this week and get this thing going? But there, there is a part of me that thinks the Vikings will lose this week 
and then somehow beat Kansas City and San Francisco and become the whatever it is, fifth team since 1980 to go 0-3 and make the playoffs just because Vikings. That's my only explanation. And the NFC North. Uh, Scott, nice to see you, Scott, says the Vikings strategy all offseason at running back and offensive line. Hope is a strategy. The Vikings strategy now, never mind how do we fix this on the fly. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing for me is did we not know what was going on at those two positions? That's the odd thing. I, I think both moves are good. I've got no criticisms about bringing in a guy who Kevin O'Connell is familiar with and, at least, you know, last, last year had some success um, on the ground. I mean, it, you know, it's not like he was running for five yards of carry, but uh, he still graded well. He still, you know, had seven touchdowns, ran for 700-something yards. Like, not not bad. Not great, but like NFL average. Okay. And then all of a sudden his team wants out, but oh, well, all right, that's fine. You need somebody, but you needed somebody several weeks ago and it was right there for you. And the same thing for Dalton. To me, Dalton Riser's much worse because he was in the building on August 1st. Blank check, whatever you want to get paid, whatever position you want to play. Actually, you got pretty much any guard spot open. So come to Minnesota and play and not doing it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Reisner will say maybe someone else it's that, but no one's really saying what the thinking there was, but it's confusing to me. It is confusing to me. Uh, Aussie Vike says buying all cheap players and hoping for a miracle. Yeah. I mean, they've done a lot of that. They kind of have done a lot of that now with, with Reisner. I look at him a little bit differently because of his track record and there isn't, as far as I know, some strange reason that he was out of a job. Maybe he just wanted more money or was waiting for the right situation or thought the Vikings were going to sign him weeks ago. Like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but with acres, it's much more, uh, mysterious what's been going on between him and McVeigh and how he would end up on the trade block after being a guy who was pretty successful for them just last season. That's, that's a little bit odd, but so I don't think they're praying for a miracle at guard because I mean, Reisner has a pretty good track record and probably not for acres either, because how much are they really going to ask him to do if he just spells Alexander Madison effectively? Okay. If you're relying on him to be the guy, uh, okay, uh, maybe that's a little more risky, but I, I don't know that they're looking for him to save the backfield, but more have another option. Okay, it's not working for Madison today. Try something else. They don't really have that right now. Uh, Joel asks, does the Cam Akers signing mean that Kenne's injury is more serious? Ty Chandler hasn't grasped the playbook and or Miles Gaskin isn't the back they thought they were getting. Well, Miles Gaskin was, I mean, a guy who was let go by Miami. I, I mean, he hadn't been good since 2020. Just, just the guy, just someone who, has played in the league with some experience, but I don't think that they've ever really expected Miles Gaskin to be more than just in case of emergency. We need someone on the roster who's played some football before. Um, but uh, to your point, yeah, I mean, it sounded like from the start of um, the season when they put him on IR, it sounded like it was pretty serious with Wang Wu's injury. And now, yeah, it does look like I don't know when he's coming back or what's going on there, but you know, it was a very odd thing. I mean, because it seemed like when he got hurt, 
they didn't talk about it as if it was going to be this like super long-term injury. And yet that's what it has become. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, we have not gotten a real update on him, but uh, maybe that's a thing to ask now that they brought in Cam Akers is like, is, but Wong was on IR. So he's already going to be out quite a while. Uh, T Kubler says Akers has had a, a horrible career so far for a second round running back. Um, you know, that's, I just don't think that's true. I horrible is, I, I think a mischaracterization of what he's been so far in his career. I think it's been unspectacular is probably the way I would put it. But I mean, even when we go back to last year and I know sometimes you guys get on me about PFF grades and everything else. But if you watched every play of Cam Akers, let me know. I don't think you did. They did. So I'm going to take a look at what they have to say. So I'm looking at, you know, by the run grade for, from PFF and Cam Akers was in the top 30. So that means that he was not amazing. He was not Josh Jacobs last year, Christian McCaffrey, Tony Pollard, Derek Henry. Like those are their top graded running backs, but a starting caliber running back last year. And then something went wrong and I don't know what it is. I, I don't, but I also think that there are some concepts that are sort of considered modern that I don't always really buy into. And one of them is the dumpster dive for, Hey, this player wa was a second round pick and wasn't that good. And now we'll make them good. But I think that acres was decent and it's not like Ross Blacklock who was never good or Jalen Rager who was never good. So it's a little bit different. Uh, I also don't believe in positionless football either, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, Michael says forgetting him for nothing. And this is a no brainer with the KOC familiarity. I wouldn't be surprised if he's active Sunday, even yeah, possible, possible. There's probably a lot of the similar things for the offense and, and it is possible that he could come right in and that, that that would um, at, at least provide them a little bit of depth starting right away. I, I think Reisner will probably play right away, or at least that's their hope. It's not easy to do. It's not impossible, as we saw from TJ Hawkinson. And you are absolutely right that the price was literally nothing. So if you were getting Leonard Fournette off free agency, Kareem Hunt off free agency, or this guy for a swap of 2026 picks, I mean, yeah. So either way, it would have been just the price of having him on the team is the price. So it's it's hard to argue at this stage in the game that you could get someone who has a better background than Akers. It, what is the real impact, though? Yet to be seen. Maybe he'll surprise us. Maybe he'll turn out to be more of a player. But I think that they also want to put a little pressure on Alexander Madison. I mean, I, I don't think it's been a good start to the season for him. I think they also want to have somebody else who they could say, all right, it's not working for you today. Somebody else give it a try. So uh, 44 Rhino man says from uh, the athletic change their scheme uh, to include more gap concepts away from the mid zone. They were running. Oh, um, I see what you're saying. Oh, did the athletic write about that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, that looks like it might be the case where they are doing a little more pulling and stuff like that. I just feel like, you know, when Madison was having his success, he was running a lot of the outside zone, which they just don't do very much. And I think he was drafted in part because he was good at that. He has, uh, I think good patience as a runner sometimes, or used to when they were run blocking better. 
whatever it's doing now, he's not seeing it or he's not believing in it. And it hasn't been uh, very good. Um, Jordan says, I think this is more of a move that, that is about everyone except Madison. Well, I can't, I mean, it can't be not about Madison at all because he hasn't run well. I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like, it's not like, it's not like he has been fantastic. He's been Barry Sanders in the backfield, dodging all the guys who are coming through. You know, it's not something like that. Uh, it's been the offensive line has not played well but he hasn't made it better. And that's been my observation looking at the tape. That's the statistical like rushing yards over expected. So I think that's very much the case. Uh, is Chris Reed real? Yeah, he's hurt. Yeah, Chris Reed got hurt away from the facility. And I don't know what happened, but it was a non-football injury and he has not practiced since then. So uh, Jeff says everyone has a plan till they get punched in the mouth. Vikings are panicking. I mean. It is panicking acquiring two players for almost nothing. I don't know. I mean, I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to look at the NFC and the NFC North and say nine wins might win the division based on these other teams. We've got a couple of weaknesses and it costs nothing to fix them. Now, they were weaknesses before, and they should have known that. I don't think these are panicked moves. Panicked move is trading a fourth for Chris Herndon. Okay, so we, we can we can separate. This costs nothing. This If they traded a fourth for Cam Akers, I'd be yelling. I'd be like, this is insane. What are they doing? What are, why would you trade that much? They traded nothing. They tra- I got a, a can of Diet Dr. Pepper here, as always. Take a little sip. Mmm. Yeah, I paid more for this than the Vikings paid for Cam Akers. Delicious. So that's the difference. That's the difference between a panic move. And Reisner was a free agent. So none of these things had any like negative consequences potentially down the road. They didn't give up any capital. And I, I see no downside when the player is young and has had some success in the past. So I kind of look at it that way. Is Davenport real? 44 Rhino Man asked. Now that's a better question. He played four snaps last week. Must have re-aggravated his ankle because he is not practicing now. And look, I mean, one of the things that we said throughout the offseason, I was watching Davenport in camp on a daily basis. And I must say, I was impressed. I was looking at this guy going, wow. I mean, how to like this guy's movement skills for being 260 pounds. It's like a throwback for me a little bit because defensive ends don't weigh 260, 270 anymore, mostly because they can't move like that if they do. And, and so his raw skill is, is marvelous. And they were moving him around. It was kind of interesting, right? They're going to do something a little different. But one of the things is, and, and look, I'm not calling out anybody or anything like that. Uh, I'm, I'm only pointing out that in his past, he did not play full seasons. And so there were injury issues in the past and it had to be part of the expectation. And if you were going into the season with Wanham and Jones, like you did last year, you had to know what you were getting if he wasn't going to be able to play. So that's, that's the thing is when I look at all these weaknesses, if you want, I was actually okay with them not fixing them. Let's see who can play. And if they can't, they can't, it's going to be a little rough ride. Oh, well, but you know, now they're fixing them and, we knew they were weaknesses before. So that, that I think is where the criticism could come. Uh, Jordan says, we still have no nose tackle. I couldn't agree with you more. They have a, 
a run stuffing three tech in Harrison Phillips and another run stuffing three tech in Jonathan Bullard and Kyrus Tonga, who looked like he was going to be the Jerry ball of the program, but has not been so far. He's barely played really. And when he has, it hasn't been you know, all that successful. So they really do not have a traditional nose tackle. And that's very tough. It's like the year the Vikings tried to switch Shamar Stefan over to a, a nose tackle. If you're not three, 30 at least you're probably getting pushed around at that point because those guys go up against people like like 330 all the time so they can handle somebody who's 305 and and phillips has done a fine job i mean he's he's really had a lot on his plate i think uh jordan says if we beat the chargers trade for a pass rusher all in baby no but you might want to find one i mean if you could find one like this that's all right. Like if you can find one in free agency, if you can find one on the trade market for nothing, okay, that's perfect. Uh, all in baby is not where they should be going for this season because one pass rusher is not going to fix this whole thing. Uh, Jeff says bailing out a rusty boat, let her sink and let's get a shiny new one. I Yeah, this is where, this is where you have to wonder, like, is there, is there some frustration from Kevin O'Connell? Because he doesn't, he doesn't want it to sink. And when you look at this passing game, you go, this is a premier passing game. But you know who this team looks like actually right now? They kind of look like last year's Detroit Lions, where they passed the ball all over the place. But the defense couldn't stop anything. And the other weaknesses on the team held them back from being like really good. But they threw the ball like crazy. So it's, I think to O'Connell, got to be frustrating to be looking at, well, okay, you don't have running back depth or a running back has been good at all. Your offensive line is, is not picking up certain blitzes and things like that. So Kirk's getting hit and pressured. And I think they're trying to fix these things just to do enough to potentially compete for the division. But to your point, there is no argument that if this thing goes sideways and they go seven and 10 or six and 11, that means there's a draft pick there in a year where there's some pretty good quarterbacks. I don't, I, I just can't get there yet though. In my brain, I need like more of a sample size of this team because I could very well see us talking about going into Kansas city at two and two. And if they're two and two, then we're not talking draft. We're just not, I mean that the season is very much on at that point. If you go into Kansas city at one and three, then maybe, and you, you come out of Kansas city at one and four, then definitely we're starting to have all those discussions about, like you said, let it sink. Uh, Daniel said, feels like they saw the North after this weekend, felt like they had a second chance to win the division and, uh, rewrite a stubborn move to not have a true backup plan at running back and O-line. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Stubborn might be the right word that they, you know, didn't have those things done. I would agree with that. Like, I don't know if that's how the decision got made or not, but I mean, even when you go back to like 2020 is a good example where they trade away Yannick Ngakwe, but they kept the rest of the roster together when they could have traded other people away. And they did it in part because they got a win in Green Bay that convinced them that they could still compete for a playoff spot in the NFC after beating Green Bay. Oh, we've got an easy schedule. We'll just win a couple games and play catch up. And, you know, we kind of know how this ended up, this ended up going. Uh, 
Tim says, have you talked to draft scout? If she plans on breaking down the bears when we play them this year? Oh yeah, absolutely. You mean Courtney Cronin of ESPN? She will 100% be on the show before they play the bears for sure. Um, I, I chatted with her today a little bit about what's going on, but, um, she's a little busy. <laughs> she's a little busy with, uh, the Chicago bears just falling completely into the lake. So, uh, but she'll be on before the bears game and we'll see where both these teams are at before then. Um, Clark G Clarko says, someone answered the question is cam Akers good. Well, if cam Akers was great, he'd still be on the Rams. So that's one thing that we can pretty definitively say. I'm just basing on his two full seasons that he's played 2020 and 2022, where he was, I, I would say a competent, fairly quality rotational running back. And that's about the farthest I could go. Yeah. And, and Jason asked about his pass blocking and very, very small samples of his pass blocking was not asked to pass block a ton when he did last year, he was uh, okay by the PFF metrics. Um, uh, Tim, Tim wants the tank four and 13 season draft, the top quarterback. It's isn't that hard, Tim, you're, you're talking about Vikings. It's always that hard to do that <laughs> and for the Vikings. They couldn't suck for luck. And uh, you know, here we are. Uh, Ken wants to bring in Akeem Hicks. Uh, let me see how Akeem Hicks played last year. I mean, this is this is the thing with with buying up everybody that you know is still out there in week two, where you have to wonder like what. And Akeem Hicks is as great as any player has been in years. But last year he had nine pressures on 442 snaps and a 61 PFF grade, which is just about average. Uh, graded terribly as a tackler. I don't know, man. I mean, he hasn't, he's played one year over 500 snaps since 2018. I mean, and, and look in 2018, Akeem Hicks was as dominant as any player, but what is really left there? Um, you know, maybe they, maybe they do need something, some, someone after what we saw in the defensive line, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like that would really change their fate compared to what they have right now. Uh, Jordan says Fields is taking that next step, becoming a true Bears quarterback. It's great. It's crazy. It is crazy. Just how many of those guys they have not had work out for them is is unbelievable. Them and the Jets. Uh, JP says, does Davenport have snap incentives in his contract? Good question. I don't know that he does. Uh, I haven't. I haven't looked or I haven't seen it reported. If he does, it's possible, but I don't think so. I think that his incentives, if I remember right, were based on injury. Maybe I, I can't remember exactly what it was. There was a little bit of renegotiation in that contract. I'll have to see if somebody knows. Uh, let's see. Tulu wants Hunter, KJ Osborne, and Smith traded. So it's a little soon. Let's see how it plays out. Like this week's going to change our minds a lot, isn't it? I think it really is. I mean, totally, totally get it where you lose a game like Philadelphia. You look at those stats for 0 and 2, and you go, wow, that doesn't seem to bode very well. But what are the stats for 2 and 2? Well, I know what they are. It's if a, NFL operations put out a chart a couple of years ago that showed the possibility of making the playoffs in a 17 game season with each of the records. Now, 
team strength matters a lot there, but you know, the Vikings have a good passing game. They probably think they're a pretty decent team. So that was putting it at 42% if you get to two and two. So that's why the stats are always weird to me. Like if you're two and two, what difference does it make if you went oh and two, one and one to two, like right? Like, I don't know. Those stats are strange. But if they make it to two and two, and then you probably make it to three and three at that point because you got Kansas City and Chicago and who knows who's playing quarterback for Chicago at that point. So you got, you know, Todd Collins playing quarterback for Chicago. You make it to three and three and you're right there in the mix and, and you've certainly got a chance. So I really want to see how it goes this week. If they beat the Chargers, then we're continuing to talk very much playoffs, division, all of that stuff. And if they lose this week, then what you just said, those trade questions, I can't hold them off. I can't be held responsible for how many trade questions you guys are going to have the next time we do one of these. Uh, Michael says, with Akers' familiarity with KOC, chance he plays this weekend, even if limited. I think it's pretty good. Um, I think it's pretty good. Oh, someone asked about who they were getting rid of. Did they announce anybody? I'm going to look here. Uh, no, they didn't announce anybody. Did they? And they haven't announced anybody to IR. So that I would think that there's a subsequent move that's coming. I'll have to wait for that. What what that's going to be? So, yeah, it's uh, I it's 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 a big one for having that conversation. But to your point about Acres, I I think that he could play this week. Yes, with the uh, familiarity. Um, yeah, T. Kubler says the Lions are decimated with injuries. Yeah, that's them being the Lions. That that's what you didn't uh, factor in was that they're the Lions. So something was always bound to to happen. All right. Folks, I found the perfect solution for barbecue lovers looking to up their grilling and smoking game. The team of certified pitmasters at Grill Masters Club has cracked the code on delivering award-winning small batch barbecue products on whatever schedule works for you. With each Grill Masters Club themed box, you'll receive five curated barbecue products such as sauces, marinades, spice rubs, grilling tools, and more. Plus, each month, their team of barbecue experts creates custom recipes and tips that provide endless ways to use the amazing products featured inside each box. You can choose monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly. You could pause, update, cancel your subscription at any time. This isn't one of those things you can never get out of. You get charged once a month and days later, an amazing barbecue experience gets delivered to your door. It is so simple. Trust me, this subscription is good for barbecuers of all levels and everyone in the house will love it. Soon you'll be experiencing flavors and techniques that you never knew existed. Maybe you're an amateur like me. That's okay. You can feel like an expert with Grill Masters Club. Go to grillmastersclub.com to take your grilling and smoking experience to the next level. And while you're there, check out the member reviews to find out what others are saying about the month-to-month Grill Masters Club plan. And get 50% off your first box with the promo code PURPLE. That's 50% off at grillmastersclub.com, your first box with the promo code PURPLE. Uh, let's see. Uh, Gary says more likely Reisner was too expensive before the season started. Nobody would have been happy paying him nine or 10 million. Are you sure no one would have been happy with that? Are you sure? I would have been fine with it. Who would be upset about that? I mean, if they restructured Brian O'Neill and they were in a spot where they could, uh, 
get a starting guard and have him ready to play for $9 million on a one-year contract. Okay. I mean, it's, it sort of reminds me of the Jefferson thing. If that, if that's the reason it sort of reminds me of the Jefferson thing where it's like, well, you know, it doesn't quite meet our price. I think, I don't know. I, I don't know what the negotiations are like, but right. Like, why didn't that get done? Because Jefferson wanted a little bit more than you wanted to give him. I mean, the same thing goes for here. Like you cost yourself two weeks of having us watch this interior offensive line because it was a couple more million when you restructured O'Neal and made 9 million. I don't know if that was the reason I don't like that reason. I don't think that's a good reason. Pay, pay a starting guard for eight or 9 million bucks or whatever. Okay. That sounds good. That sounds like a good idea, actually. So if that's if that's why they didn't do it, I don't think that's a great reason. Uh, Sloth says, how do you think we plan to cover Keenan Allen and Mike Williams? Well, one thing is they can't have uh, any communication mistakes like they did. I looked back at it. There, that long touchdown, it looked like a Caleb Evans just got roasted, but he didn't. He seemed to be waiting for something coverage-wise and then realized no one was back there and, and then accelerated. But I think that he was playing a different coverage and expected to have help. And then he didn't. So that's what happened. Cause when he, uh, and this is like on the coach's film, you kind of see stuff that you don't pick up on. And he looked back and kind of went like, what, what happened there? So there was a miscommunication, but I actually think that the secondary through two games has been I think above what I expected. I think they've been quite good. Um, haven't had any issues with how Byron Murphy's played. Yeah, Evans had that one play happen to him, but I think he's run pretty well with these wide receivers. They played kind of a a zone type of thing or a, a shell type of thing more than I would have expected against the Eagles, trying to keep everything in front of them. But other than you know that big pass, which was a miscommunication, and the one where Devontae Smith just mossed um, you know, Theo Jackson, I mean I it was, it was like a lot of short passes that weren't working, uh, a couple of sacks, a couple of coverage sacks. I think they've actually done pretty well there. I have a lot of respect for Keenan Allen, though. I, I think that uh, <laughs> I think Keenan Allen is, is a really good, really good wide receiver. I like this from Ricky, Cam Peterson Acres. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But hey, look, this is the team that Adrian Peterson sent the um, set the record for. Um Sorry, sorry for the uh, the audio issue. Is that is uh, that been fixed? I hope that that was fixed. Sorry for the the audio crackling. I'm just seeing that. You guys said audio is better. Sorry for that. Sometimes the uh, internet just I don't know hits a pothole or something. So my apologies that that happened. But it seems like it happened like 20 minutes ago. So I'm, I'm but I am sorry about that. Uh, Daniel says NFC North might be last year's AFC South and need a nine and eight record to make the playoffs. It's possible. I mean, we are pretty far away from really knowing what this is going to look like, but I, I, I think that that has to influence their thinking, right? That the NFC North just doesn't look that dangerous. I have not been impressed by Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Jack Campbell has not been the solution, nor would I expect a rookie to be, but they drafted him to be that for Detroit did. And they look the same as last year. They honestly look the same as last year. I don't see any differences and, and we'll see how that defense comes along, but I think they look very similar and their defensive coordinator might not be good. 
I don't know. Everyone talks very highly of Aaron Glenn, but I haven't seen it yet. Their offense is pretty dangerous. Golf is still golf. I mean, yeah. Is it, is it crazy to think nine and eight wins this thing? Like, I don't think it is. So even if, I mean, if they don't win, it's going to be a pretty tough argument to make because then you have to go nine and five the rest of the way. And that's not easy to do, especially when you got so many road games the rest of the way. The, the Vikings only have eight home games and they will have played, you know, now uh, two of them. So they have to play all the rest on the road. Uh, what, six? It'll be six uh, at home and eight on the road from here on out. And then they got to go nine and five in those games with a very spotty defense and still some holes. Like, I I don't know. That sounds pretty hard if they lose this game, but that does not, it still doesn't mean it's over. It's weird to say, because I've always believed like you go to zero and three game over. It doesn't have to be, but it'll change the way we talk about it though. Uh, Jordan says, Justin Herbert defenders sound like Kirk cousins defenders. Who do we trust them or our lying eyes? Yeah, I mean, with both quarterbacks and actually probably 90% of quarterbacks, like everyone agrees that Mahomes, Allen, Burrow are amazing. And then there's probably some other ones we'd all agree that you would take. And then there's a lot of unproven and there's a lot of mediocre, right? And the ones who get debated the most are the Jared Goff, the Kirk Cousins, the Jimmy Garoppolo, and so forth. And I think Herbert is closer to that discussion than than people talk about. Maybe there's like a Dak Prescott thing where some of you probably think Kirk Cousins is better than Dak Prescott. Some of you probably think Dak Prescott's better than Kirk Cousins. There's there's always a debate over these quarterbacks who are really good, but not the best. And that's, I think, where Herbert lands in that type of tier. If we were doing tiers, it'd be like Mahomes has his own because nobody's as good as him. It's not close. And then there's like the megastar franchise, $60 million, whatever it's going to be, quarterback. I don't think Herbert's there. I don't think he's in the Allen and Burrow tier. I think he got put there, but I don't think he's there. I think he's on the next level down with the Dak Prescott, which you can still win with, but it's not quite the same. So... You know, uh, that's kind of how I think of it. I don't think that he's like a total game changer. Uh, Sue says, uh, don't know if this team can make it beyond the second round of the playoffs. Oh, I promise you they can't. I mean, <laughs> I promise you they can't. There is no way you go into the playoffs with this defensive line and win games. Just not going to happen. I mean, this this season is really about what do you have at the end? I mean, they're trying to make the playoffs. They want to win every week and they have a really good passing game. that could win in any week, but it's really about when you get to the end of the rainbow, what kind of roster do you have? Who's going to be here long-term? What, what do you got? What does this look like? What's the status of the organization as you go into next year's draft and everything else? And then it's a, uh, you know, the friends we made along the way uh, for a lot, because unless they are trading for some star defensive tackle or defensive end for that matter. I don't know how you could win multiple playoff games when another team could just run for 250 yards against you anytime they want. So uh, Tim says, why are we talking about the playoffs and tanking? Yeah. Isn't that right? I mean, isn't that just the Vikings right there? Why are we talking about playoffs and tanking? Cause that's where this team's at. Truly Tim. This team is between the playoffs and tanking. It's wild. I know. They are in between. If they win this game, they probably win at Carolina. 
They probably get to three and three by the time they're playing San Francisco, and we'll see where it goes from there. San Francisco probably wins, but we'll see. If they lose this game, I mean, okay, you probably still beat Carolina, but then you're one and four, and you're looking at maybe being like two and five. Then you're talking about tanking. Isn't that crazy? That's football. <laughs> when you're in the middle all the time. When you are a middling team, that's how it is all the time. At the beginning of the season, you lose a couple games, you're that close to tanking. You win a couple games, you're that close to making the playoffs. So it's weird. It's it's an it's an odd it's an odd place to be in the middle, and that's where this team loves to be. Mark says, "Why can't we get Leonard Fournette or Delvin Cook?" Uh, well, Delvin Cook plays for the Jets and is very bad. And uh, Leonard Fournette, I don't know. I guess I don't know. He hasn't been good in a long time. He had kind of that one little run with Tampa Bay. It was a little bit of a blip, but I I don't know. I don't I don't think that he's anybody that I would really want to consider. I'd, I'd rather have Cam Akers, who's young. Uh, Sean says, when you look at the odds of 0-2 teams making the playoffs, take out the teams that were crappy and expected to lose. What are the odds when good teams go 0-2? Yeah, that's the thing. So that's a hard thing to say because it's like, well, who was good or crappy, right? I don't know. But the odds aren't the same for every team is my point is the Arizona Cardinals have no chance. They are zero. The Vikings are not zero. So when you hear, all right, well, only 11% of teams or there's an 11% chance. All right, well, the Vikings are probably one in three at this point. And, I mean, one in three chance. It's probably like 33. If I were just to put a number on it based on how strong I think they are, they're scheduled the rest of the way, I'd say like 33% chance. And what what's going to happen this week? That's what I'd give them to make the playoffs, maybe even a little bit more. And the Cardinals, I'd give zero. So it, every team is different. People love stats like that. Broadcasts love stats like that. It's very simple, very easy to understand. Hey, you're screwed, right? But you just, there's 17 of these, like there's time. And so that's my point about two and two as well, is if you get to two and two, then the bigger, broader odds say it's 40%. All right, well, that was just two weeks ago. You just get two wins and then you're 40% from like nothing. It's never made sense to me. It's more of a factoid than anything is like how many teams have actually done it, but it is hard to recover when you start Owen two, because then you have to go at least nine and six to be a coin flip for it. That's the thing. So that that's the hard thing. If, if you have a good rest of the way and go nine and six, you're still not a shoe. I think that's where, that's where it gets hard. So, um, anyway, Let's see. Uh, Jordan says Keenan Allen is your favorite wide receiver's favorite wide receiver. He's good. Yeah, he's legit. He's a great route runner. Yeah, he's a good player. Tim says Addison is going to blow this uh, blow up game three. I, I agree with you. I don't think the Chargers can stop anybody. And if and if they do, then you were never really good enough anyway. That's how that's how I look at it. This Chargers team stinks on defense. And if they find answers and you don't win this game, then you were just never really going to compete. It was just never going to happen. So uh, 44 Rhino man says, I can't remember the last time so much pressure to have to win a game so early for the Vikings. Yeah. In 2021 would, I mean, it wasn't that long ago when they were going against Seattle. I think early in the season, they may have been one in three Seattle. If I'm remembering, didn't Seattle come to Minnesota for the first time, like ever, and they beat the brakes off them. 
I think that was the last time. I think this game goes that way, the exact same way. The the Seattle had a terrible defense. Russell Wilson, you know, still playing pretty well at the time, but not as great as before. And I I think that they uh, ra- just ran them out of the building on offense, if I, if I'm remembering correctly. So yeah, it happens. I mean, when you have a bad start to the season, this seems fim- similar to 2021, where they had a missed field goal on the week two and a fumble on week one, and uh, like things. The, there was a really weird Browns game where they had a touchdown called back or or something, or the Browns were able to get another sh- chance at it. So kind of bad luck hit them all at once. That's exactly what ha- has happened so far, and. Uh, how they get out of it, you know, I guess we're going to see because in 2021, at one point, I think they got to like six and five in 2021, but then ran out of gas at the end of that season. And also, you know, didn't have their quarterback for the biggest game of the year, which, uh, you know, kind of hurt. So, uh, Sean says NFC's top team might be only 12 and five or 13 and four only, um, Dallas and Philadelphia, and San Francisco have tough schedules. Yeah. I think that what we're seeing is it already kind of break into tiers of these teams where it's in my mind, very clear, the one and two in the NFC. And it's, it's not even close. It's San Francisco and Dallas. I'm not sure if it's that order or not, but when I know you could say, well, Dallas is playing bad teams, but they're crushing them. Like that's pretty telling as much as it is beating good teams. So, all right, those two teams are the best. And then Philadelphia is like a little bit of a notch down. They've got a lot of players hurt. I don't think the offense is quite as good as it was last year because they lost their offensive coordinator. I think that matters. So I'm going to put them just like a slight tear down. Their secondary is not good uh, at the moment with all those injuries. So how they heal up, I don't know. But like there's them. And then you got your Detroit, you know, Minnesota's in this mix. Seattle's in this mix of teams where you could definitely see it or you could definitely see it going sideways. And then there's the rest. I don't even know where to put like Washington. They got a great win, but I'm like, I just can't really trust them. Uh, Jamie says, what's the sense of winning the division? Um, let's see, winning the division uh, and stalling out in the playoffs. Wouldn't it be better to get a decent draft pick? Yeah, that. I mean, so that's a hard one because they set out their goals to make the playoffs and to win the division, right? That that was that was their goal. And they're treating it that way by going and getting reinforcements here. They're treating their goal as to make the playoffs. And it's hard for anyone to say, hey, don't accomplish your goal, actually lose. But I think we all know that if they do fail and come short of the playoffs, the more they fail, the better the draft pick they get, the more chance they have to get their quarterback. Like we all know that. But I think that that's not really a discussion we can have yet about like, oh, well, should they be trading Kirk? Should they be trading? You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Like, I don't I don't think that's really a conversation we can have until we know where they are at in the middle of the season or before the trade deadline. And then we can say, all right, clearly this is a good team and look at them go or what it's bad. It's gone sideways. The season's over. You know, that kind of thing. So, and, uh, you know, Deontay brings this up nine or 10 games might win the division. And then you got another crown and like, they're going to have to consider that. Now, I think, you know, we can all say, look, you know, 
you win the division, it's bad, and you're going to draft high. But I, I don't, I don't see it that way. I mean, I, I think that when you have a veteran quarterback, that's the decision you made to run back Kirk Cousins. You have the greatest receiver on earth. You got a superstar at left and right tackle. You got a young star wide receiver coming up. It's just hard for me to say, like, oh yeah, you know, it's better if they lose. I don't think I don't think it's better, like necessarily. And I and I also think. You know, so Sloth says hot take, but winning the division is good. I mean, you win the division, you get a home playoff game, and then we see where it all goes. I have a very tough time, very, very tough time seeing this team go anywhere in the playoffs. That's so far away, though. It's so far away. Last year, the San Francisco 49ers go into the NFC Championship game. The quarterback gets his arm hurt, and they lose. Like, right? San Francisco was probably better than Philly last year at that point. But things happen. So I'm not I'm not doing the hey, anything can happen. Like I think everybody knows where we're at at this point with with this situation. It's if they get it turned around and going and rolling, their passing offense is so good that it could win them a lot of games and you want to make the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Renee, that making the playoffs would be good experience for young players unless they get destroyed, I guess. Uh, but I think more than anything, it's when I look at this next year's draft, it's a little bit different in my mind from last year, where last year there were three guys and those three guys were going in the top five and you were not getting them unless you were in the top five or you could trade to the top five. This year, at this moment, and we're only a couple weeks in, there's a projected like five first-round quarterbacks. And in the past, when there's been five first-round quarterbacks, there's always been a distribution. So there's been you know a couple at the top, and then like Mac Jones is in the middle, or Lamar Jackson falls to the back, or you know Josh Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes are kind of in the middle. There's there's a wide range of where these things could end up. And I just, I don't think you're ever going to be bad enough, no matter what you do, unless Kirk goes out this week and never plays again to be in the Caleb Williams discussion. So count him out. But then there's, there's all these other quarterbacks as well. So if that's that, if that's what you're thinking about mainly is the future, I don't think you have to really fear being a decent team because I mean, <laughs> fields is a weird example to use because of his day today. Yikes. But the Bears got fields after they were okay. Like they were a good team, right? Like they, I think we're drafting 20th or whatever happened before the season before, but they were drafting like 20th, weren't they? And they traded up to get fields. So this would be the time that you do it. So I don't know. I mean, one of the hardest things about talking about the future for me is always, I'm excited about this game. And you know, I think it was Tim earlier who said something like, Hey, why are we talking about tanking the playoffs? It's like, well, that's because where the, where this team is at. But I think that we got to wait until we actually have to talk about it to talk about it. And for now, this is a really interesting game and it could be the most exciting game of your life. I don't know. I mean, this one could, this one could be bananas and it usually is with the Vikings. So I think this, this is a pendulum game. I mean, this could swing them in a lot of ways. Uh, Nathan says, I remember when we were debating whether we would rather be in the Chicago situation or versus the Vikings competitive rebuild. Do not speak too soon. My friend Do not speak too soon. Chicago goes three and 14 and drafts Caleb Williams. And I don't know, uh, things might look and then spends $50 million in cap space. And I don't know, it can look a little bit different very fast. So, um, 
you know, we'll see. But the Vi- the thing about the Vikings is drafting a quarterback is that you have the bones already in place, which is very hard to do most of the time. Most of the time we talk about the Bears, they win three games, they draft Caleb Williams, and he's coming to an organization that's just totally decimated and they're horrible. I look at the Texans. They can't protect CJ Stroud. He looked good, but they can't protect him. Well, that's not going to be the case for the Vikings where they've got tackles. They've got receivers. They've got a coach. Like they've got things in place. So yeah, but I still think that what we're talking about right there, you're speaking too soon. We are very much in analyzing over four or five years, the rebuild versus the competitive rebuild. And that that's not over because in the analysis, in the room, in the, uh, whatever room Ryan polls is in, when they made the decision to stick with fields, Part of that discussion had to be, hey, if it goes sideways, we probably draft super high and take a quarterback, right? It had to be. And then we don't have to pay fields, and then we have even more money to spend for like four more years. So let's end on this one. Uh, Deontay, uh, first Deontay, this could happen. Uh, Looks like JJ could go over 2,000 yards. I'm not going to laugh at that. That does look very possible. (laughs) That does look very possible. Uh, sloth says pie chart, blowout, win, blowout, loss, close, win, close loss. I'm going to throw out both the blowouts. I'm going to give both the blowouts about a 5% chance of, I mean, it just doesn't happen. Uh, okay. I'll get, I'll actually give, I'll give the blowouts. These two teams play the closest games. I saw a stat that Herbert plays like 70% of his games close. So does Kirk. So those let's give 10% each one out of 10 chance of each. So I'll go 20% dedicated there. And then I'll split it right down the middle with close win and close loss. This is not a hot take, but is this not the ultimate sort of like 50-50 coin flip game? I mean, I'm going to go with the Vikings with a win. But would you be surprised by a missed field goal at the end? Would you be surprised by a pick six or the end? You know, something crazy happens. So anyway, um, I don't necessarily agree with this Rhino man. Uh, NIL has changed the game. Don't assume players will leave for the NFL. If you're going to be a top draft pick, you're probably coming to the NFL. And, you know, when it comes to sponsorships, it's not like those sponsorships end when people get to the NFL. Like If you sign with, like, Gatorade, they aren't just like, oh, you were the fifth pick in the draft? Like, hit the hit the, hit the road. We're going to spend that on somebody else in college. Like I, I think it has changed the game for everybody else. If you're a second round pick prospect, if you're a third round pick, maybe you stay and try to up your draft status or something for one more year and you're earning good money and the NFL's no guarantee you're talked about as a fifth round pick, a seventh round pick. If you're going to go in the top 10, I, I don't think that's even a factor because you are making way more as a top draft pick. So if it's Caleb Williams, if it's Drake may, whoever, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I don't completely disagree, but I think when it's ta- when you're talking about big time players, but I don't know. I mean, Shadur Sanders might stay. I don't know. He might stay. Um, it's always possible, but I think at least as of right now, we're talking about a good number of draft pick quarterbacks who are expected to be in this draft. So anyway, um, is this game a pick I haven't looked at the odds. Jordan says Vegas usually doesn't make NFL games pick them. This game is an exception. I haven't looked at the line, but yeah, I think it is. I think it is. All right. Exciting times, right? Exciting times. It is never. Uh, this is why we love the NFL season. You know, I spend all off season July, you know, through training camp, just going, all right, let's get to the season because once it happens, it's on and there's stuff every single day. And that's why we're here every single day. So tomorrow night, 
It's going to be special. Manny Hill will be in studio right here at my house in the uh, in the studio basement. So he's going to be live for an episode of Hot Route. So you guys want to be here for that. That's going to be 8 o'clock tomorrow night right here on the YouTube page. Uh, or if you're listening in the podcast feed, well, thanks for listening. But, you know, you can listen to it anytime. So anyway, thank you guys so much. I mean, it's 10 o'clock at night. At, well, after 10 o'clock at night, we got several hundred of you watching and listening here. Um, that's, that's what makes it great. That's what makes it great for me. And uh, I'm just really enjoyed every single time we do this. So make sure you're keeping an eye on the page every night and, uh, we'll be here all the time. I think it's Fridays. The only night that I'm not going live. Cause we go live on Sundays after the game, Dane Mizzitani from the pioneer press, keep an eye out for tomorrow. Actually the, uh, we're going to have like the hardcore X's and O's breakdown with Will Raggetts with Andrew Kramer. This is the show of the Viking beat reporter. So make sure you're, uh, you're checking it all out. Thanks everybody. And we'll see you soon. Football.